Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So that was an invocation. So we find that uh, in uh, Vaishnav classes, in uh, writings, there's an invocation. You don't just jump right into it, but you first approach, as we were just talking about with the bhajans, that we're approaching in a humble way and honoring the Supreme as we're going in. So Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. It's the way we're addressing the Lord who's all-pervading. He's situated within everyone's heart, worshiping him, honoring, uh, acknowledging his presence. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. The next is a, is a specific verse that is often recited before we talk about Srimad Bhagavatam. And it goes like this. Narayanam namaskritya Naram chayva narottamam Devim sarasatim vyasam Tato jayam udiraya So this is uh, offering respects to the author of Srila Vyasadev. Narayanam namaskritya naram chayva and nar narayana Rishi, the Supreme Personality of God, the Goddess Saraswati. And it says, Tato Jayam Udiraya, that this is our means of conquest. Interesting way to put it. What is the problem? I'm being defeated by my own foolishness, by trying to be something I'm not here in this material world. And it's hard to get out of. So how does one rise above that? How does one become victorious in this world? Actually, even people who are very successful in this life, you may make goals and be organized and be really smart and go to all the right schools, but then in the end, it all gets dashed, which is uh, quite disappointing, actually, because it seems as if you know whatever progress you make, you should be able to keep. But the most you can say is... We had a good run. <laughs> That's what my parents said. <laughs> we had a good run at it, I saw, when they were leaving the world. I said, well, we, we had a good run at it, which they did. I mean, they really did a lot of stuff. But I saw, like, now it's all lost, and it all just gets reshuffled. So, tato jaya what is our actual victory as a soul? It's to take full advantage of Krishna's mercy and to rise to our true position as spiritual beings, and to be reinstated in some service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So how will that be done? Tato jayam udirayat, through this medium of hearing. Shravanam is the first process of bhakti, just to hear, submissively listen to uh, the topics about Krishna and the instructions Krishna has given or the instructions that Krishna's devotees have given after hearing about him. Sounds like a police radio back there. Maybe we're tracking some criminals somewhere. <laughs> so that after doing that, 
As if that wasn't enough. Did we catch him? <laughs> then, then there are some prayers that we offer, we say, before entering into a discussion. So you'll find this is very common. And one of the first prayers that we say, it's in Sanskrit, it goes like this. Oma jnana timirandasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun militamdina tasmai shri guravenamaha. means I offer my respectful obeisances unto my spiritual master who has opened my eyes, which were blinded by the darkness of ignorance with the torchlight of knowledge. So there's this sense of gratitude when we enter into a spiritual discussion, and it's like, no, I know so much. So I don't, I'm only saying what I heard from my guru who opened my eyes. And, and that's the, the mood of the devotee, always very humble and feeling, as we discussed earlier, humble, bereft, uh, I'm only an instrument. But my guru, who is a servant of his guru, his servant of guru, guru go, goes all the way back to Krishna, just passing down uh, what I've learned, and I've been given some help, some enlightenment, so I'm now offering that. That's the system of guru parampara. So devotees, you'll find, they say this prayer before going into the subject matter of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And... So let's just say it together. Oma jnana timirandasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun vinatam nena tasmai shri gurave namaha. And now as um, I had begun this morning in the Japa circle speaking about the, the verse Shrinvatam Svakata Krishna, if I could have a first canto, I'll be ever grateful. And... Uh, even before the verse we discussed. And actually, if we look at the verses in this section of the Bhagavatam, 1, 2, 16 and onward, we'll find it's not just one verse, but it's actually a paragraph. And when Prabhupada quotes this in various places, he uh, um, quotes it in toto. And so... The succession of verses is important to understanding the practice of devotional service. So, the practice of devotional service, what is devotional service, is uh, given a definition by Srila Rupa Goswami in his seminal book called the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which was translated by Srila Prabhupada as a summary of the book, because it's a vast book, it's called The Nectar of Devotion. So there's Nectar of Instruction and there's Nectar of Devotion. So Nectar of Devotion is a summary study of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which means the ocean of uh, Bhakti Rasa. It's an ocean and it's divided into four divisions. And each one of the sections of the ocean has various waves. So he gives this metaphor and that's how he divides up his book. In the very beginning of the book, Srila Rupa Goswami gives two verses that are very important for understanding what is devotional service and what should I be doing to advance in devotional service. And the first verse goes like this. Anya bilashita shunyam jnana karmanya navritam anakulyena krishnanu shilaram bhaktir uttama. And this means 
that one should uh, have full dependence on the process of bhakti, which means service to Krishna. And also, uh, one should have a favorable attitude while performing this service. One should also cultivate it, means that there are, and there are two types of cultivation. One type of cultivation is with one's, with one's external senses, and the other is an internal cultivation, one's, the way one uh, th- thinks and remembers things, uh, not things, but, but Krishna. And uh, it means that we have to actually do something. It's not inactive meditation, but there is a way in which we stay engaged. We use our senses in various ways. And we think of Krishna in a favorable attitude. And the reason that's mentioned is because there are those who think of Krishna but not in a favorable attitude. (laughs) They're thinking like Kamsa does. For those who have read Prabhupada's book called Krishna Book, uh, there's a section describing how uh, Kamsa was a king and he was averse to Krishna. In fact, he was afraid of him and he wanted to, to kill him. And that's why he was thinking about him all the time. <laughs> it's like, I want to kill him. So although because Krishna is all purifying, no matter which way you think of him, you get some purification, that's not bhakti or devotional service, thinking how to kill Krishna. Although it, it may be beneficial because you're thinking of Krishna at least bhakti is different means to think favorably how can I serve Krishna how can I uh, appreciate and praise him and so forth and uh, there are nine processes for doing this that are mentioned by Srila Goswami in his book and it starts as I just mentioned a moment before with hearing so hearing is a process that is uh, cleansing to, to the, the heart and mind. And the progression of verses that we can look at today begins with Shushu Shoshadhanasya, Vasudeva Kataruchi, Syan Mahatseveya Vipra, Punya Tirtanashevana. Actually go back one more. So, if we look at the synonyms of this verse, it says, yat anudya asina. So it's a metaphor um, that remembrance of Krishna is like a sword. And uh, what's the sword going to do? It's going to cut something. We're yukta. We get equipped with that sword by performing bhakti, right? And so what is the sword going to cut? It's called the karma granti. It's the knot of karma. So karma, somehow or other, when I'm engaged in, somehow or other, I am engaged in material life and association. I just found myself here suddenly. And I'm entangled and 
I feel compelled to act in certain ways. I'm born with predispositions. I'm a, uh, as a cat or a dog. Like cats are very predisposed to being cats. If you talk to a cat, which you can do, they'll listen to some degree. And you say, kitty, could you be more like a dog? Then the cat will look at you and like uh, curl up in a ball and go, not right now. Um, and a dog, if he asks to be more like a cat, will look at you like, what are you talking about? I'm a dog. Uh, human beings also have predispositions. And in a general sense, they're determined by the various modalities that we've come in contact with in this world. Krishna explained this in, explains this in the Bhagavad Gita. He said, how do you get various ty types of bodies that are predisposed towards certain kinds of activities. Purusha prakriti stohi, this is uh, 1322. Purusha prakriti stohi bhunte prakriti jangunan karanam gunasangosya sarasad yoni janvasu. The cause of my getting various kinds of body with various types of predispositions is because of my previous associations with the modes of nature. I acquire the modes and they go into the heart and they determine my type of consciousness as cat, dog, etc. And the body, the external body is only an accommodation for my consciousness. And that's proved in the Bhagavad Gita also when Krishna says, yang yang vapi smanan bhavam yante kalevaram tam tam bhavita Whatever your predisposition is, when you leave this present body, that will carry over to your next body, and material nature will accommodate you with a, 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 bef a, a body that befits your particular mentality, so you can continue it. It's accommodating. And so it's not a punishment, although if I feel inconvenienced by it, I may claim that I'm being punished, but the Bhagavad Gita continually uh, points us in the direction of our own activities and says, be aware of the fact that the Supreme isn't doing this to you, you're doing it to yourself. So reform. And once you reform, which means to rise, uh, refine oneself, rise above the lower modalities in nature and come to uh, this a purified state, which is called sattva. We call it shuddha sattva in its very pure state because regular sattva means it's still mixed with something here in the material world, and I still have some proclivity for uh, an attachment to the material world. So the, the, the karma knot is something we're born with, karmic knot. And this claims, the Bhagavatam is claiming here, Sutta Goswami speaking this right now, this verse, to a group of sages, just like you, all of you. You're all sages, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And he's saying to them, here's the process. Because they really wanted to know from him. He was a representative that had been uh, thoroughly vetted. In fact, his father had been the one who, was, who had started the, the seminar, but he blew it in a big way. Uh, by not recognizing uh, Krishna in the form of Balaram when, when he came there to the, to the seminar. He just sat there. He didn't stand up and say, hey, Krishna just came here. <laughs> and so he was um, replaced. 
with his son, who was highly learned. He became highly learned because he had gone through the process that I mentioned before of listening to his gurus. Vetatom saumya tatsarvam tatvadat tatvatas tadanugrahat bruyus nigdasya sishasya kuravo kuhyamaputa. He knows all the secrets, said uh, Sutta Goswami, or said the sages, uh, that he knows everything because he was so submissive to his gurus. He listened for a long time. He listened to, listened to it all very carefully. That's an indication of how one actually becomes advanced in devotional service. And what was his mood? Saumya. He was very gentle in nature. Gentle means that he was careful the way he dealt with others. He didn't uh, ex exhibit arrogance and so forth. You can ask a question? Oh, I thought you had it. And um, so he became highly qualified. And it's amazing how much you can learn if you just listen submissively. That's part of the benediction of getting a human body. That you can listen, and, and if you listen carefully with an open mind, then although you may think, like, this, this is a really uh, exalted or even complicated subject matter, but just keep listening. And eventually it all enters the ear and... It's not exactly our intelligence that uh, makes it possible for us to understand. In a way it is, but it's Krishna helping us from within the heart to understand everything. He informs us from within. So this uh, speaker who's uh, speaking the verses we're hearing, we're about to hear today, uh, had learned it from his various gurus. There are different kinds of gurus. There's a guru who... In, in, who first introduces one to the process of Krishna consciousness. This is called the Vartmana Pradakshaka Guru. Like, it could be anybody, and it's usually, it's Krishna's arrangement, not usually. It's always Krishna's arrangement that somebody comes along and says, hey, have you heard of this before? <laughs> and why don't you check this out? And then when you start to look at it and you think, wow, that's kind of calling to me. And then the person who gave you that first opportunity, that showed you the path in the first place, that's called the Vartmana Pradakshaka Guru, the first guru, who shows you the path. And then after that, there are gurus called uh, Shiksha. Shiksha means ones who teach you different things. There's, a, other, there's things to learn about devotional service, how to associate with devotees, how to do the process of devotional service, as we're speaking right now. And... Uh, this is called shiksha, and you learn from these shiksha gurus. There can be more than one. And then there's a diksha guru. A diksha guru is somebody who gives you the mantras uh, to chant. And so let's practice these mantras, and they hand over the, the mantras to you directly, which has great potency when you get it from a devotee. So he, Sutta Goswami, the speaker of today's verses, had gone through this whole process and pleased his different gurus by being very submissive, serving them, and so forth, and he listened. And how much did he listen? A lot. Listened a lot. So if you want to get advanced in devotional service, listen. How much? A lot. So, and if you want to get more advancement, then listen more. 
hearing is, is the gateway to understanding everything and to becoming advanced in devotional service. So now he's speaking these verses and he's talking about how powerful hearing about Krishna is. So yat, which anudya, remembrance, asina, this sword of remembering Krishna is, if you're equipped with that, you can actually cut the knot of karma within your heart by remembering Krishna. That's how powerful it is to remember him. And uh, it's described, that is karma, nibandhanam, it's internet, inter internet, like, you know, something that's knit together, knitted together, like this cloth. You can't tell where one cloth starts and the other one finishes. It's just one thing. and <laughs> It's all wound up. And so as it's inter interknit, it's very difficult to just take it apart yourself and unravel the whole situation. If you've ever had a big ball of, of uh, yarn or twine that got all tangled up and you're trying to undo it and you're late for school and you've got to finish it before that and, um, and it's really hard to untangle, sometimes you just have to cut it. It happened to me a couple of times with my shika. I, I, I just couldn't get untangled and I was in a hurry. So it's like, okay, you're, <laughs> you're coming off. <laughs> I hate to do it, but you know, I got to go. And so that's why my shika is so short now. I've been in a hurry a lot. So, <laughs> so there's this sense of, like, it's so tangled up. It's so, it's so intertwined, internet, that you can't, you really can't find the beginning or the end or how to un untangle yourself. So chindanti, you cut it. Uh, kovira means an intelligent person. Intelligent persons do this. Tasyaka. Now he's asking a question. Who won't, who won't then pay attention to this? After you know this, who's not going to listen? <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. He's saying, like, now that you know the process, like, why won't you do it? And of course, that's answered later in the Bhagavatam. If somebody's really entangled in certain kinds of very low activities, especially killing animals, then it's very difficult for them to understand um, the, the importance of this. So uh, killing animals are killing themselves by being fully engaged in material activities. So let's look at the translation. Translation is as follows. With sword in hand, intelligent men cut through the binding knots of reactionary work, karma, by remembering the personality of Godhead. Therefore, who will not pay attention to his message? Let's say it all together. With sword in hand, intelligent men cut through the binding knots of reactionary work, karma, by remembering the personality of Godhead. Therefore, who will not pay attention to his message? By the way, I'm noticing how everyone's sitting listening, so I deeply appreciate it. Thank you. Purport. The contact of the spiritual spark with material elements creates a knot which must be cut if one wants to be liberated from the actions and reactions of fruitive work. Could somebody else read that first sentence again? You get 1% credit without the microphone, 100% with. The contact of the spiritual spark with material elements creates a knot which must be cut if one wants to be liberated from the actions and reactions of fruitive work. One more person, please read it. 
Uh, the same uh, first line? Yeah. The contact of the spiritual spark with material elements creates a knot which must be cut if one wants to be liberated from the actions and reactions of fruity work. Somebody from this side read it, please. The contact of the spiritual spark with material elements creates a knot which must be cut if one wants to be liberated from actions and reactions of fruitive work. One more. The contact of the spiritual spark with the material elements creates a knot which must be cut if one wants to be liberated from the actions and reactions of fruitive work. So this is a very clear statement. We are spiritual sparks. We're in contact with material elements. And that's created a knot. So we have to cut it if we want to be liberated. And the next line says, liberation means freedom from the cycle of reactionary work. Someone else read that second. Liberation means freedom from the cycle of reactionary work. Two more. Liberation means freedom from the cycle of reactionary work. Unamas. Por favor. Liberation means freedom from the cycle of reactionary work. Yes. Liberation means freedom from the cycle of reactionary work. So I'm caught in reactionary work. In other words, I'm working as an obligation. Did you ever... Notice that? Do you ever feel obligated to work? One, two, three, four, five, six. I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. So there's a way in which I'm a debtor in this world. And from the time I'm born, there's an expectation. It's like, come on, Schnicky, learn to walk, because you've got to start <laughs> moving around. Like even in a rural economy, there are ways that the kids, they start chopping wood early, young. It's like work. You, you do something. We got to feed We got to feed ourselves. And there's a, a, an angst that is inherent in the material experience. I'm, I'm already obligated the second I come out of the womb. In fact, my parents, if they have the means, they're already saving up for my college fund. Why? So you can get a good, good education. Why? because you're going to work hard after that. That's an obligation. This is reactionary work. You have, to, you have to do it. And we're caught in this. We're bound up by this. So liberation means that you transfer your propensity to move. It's not just propensity. It's, it's, we, we must move. We're, we're living force. We can't stop. But instead of being obligated, we're moving out of a different sense. We're moving out of service. We're using our senses. And this is the second verse I wanted to mention from Rupa Goswami, from his Bhakti Rasamri to Sindhu. He says, Sarvopati vanir muktam tat pratvena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhaktir uchite. So there's a way in which 
when you, I think I said Uchite in the first verse, but it's Utama, and in the second one is Uchite. Correct me if I'm wrong. That this means, uh, the, the second definition, this is a parallel verse, but it gives a, a slight nuance to the first one that I mentioned about what is devotional service. So Sarvopati, Vanir Muktam. There's a way that we, um, through devotional service, must become free from what's called upadis. Upadis means a false designation. For instance, if I think that I am an American, that's a temporary uh, designation. Because, first of all, I could change. You know, I could very easily become, I don't know, from what I heard from a devotee the other day, you could go to Dubai and become a, a um, permanent resident there, and then maybe after some years, you become, uh, what would you be if you, a what? Emirati. I could become an Emirati and identify as an Emirati. I could even wear a turban, possibly. Would they let me? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I could go around telling everyone, yeah, well, who, where are you from? I'm an Emirati. Uh, and, you know, let's just say you like the uh, a particular sports team. You're a big fan of the... Huh? Let's pick one I never heard of. Like, I don't know, Liverpool against... Who's the one they're against? Manchester. Yes, yeah, so I know nothing about it, so I'm not attached. I have no upadi. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else is, though. <laughs> like, Manchester's got to win, and uh, my mood is going to rise or fall depending on whether the guy, some guy that I've never met, kicks a ball into a net. It's going to change everything. So I'm so absorbed in the material world. And, but I could very easily, people change teams all the time. It's like, what? How come? You know, it's like, well, my guy moved over there, and, you know, now he's... so. We have all these designations, and what Shukadev Goswami called is the world of names. We just name things. And it's, this is called this, it's called that, but it's always changing into something else. It's not permanent. So, Sarvopati Vanirmuktam means that we come to reality, as described in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, Nasato Vidite Bhavo, and the Bhavo Vidite Sita. Darshibi means somebody who sees reality. Reality means there's two different energies. One is the permanent energy that always exists. And that's what we're talking about when we speak Krishna Kata. We're talking about Krishna and his internal energy. It's, it's superior energy. And it's permanent. And it's always improving. Whereas the material nature is endlessly mutable. It's always degrading and morphing into something else. And he says, the one who sees the difference between these two energies is actually a seer of truth. You understand that there's an impure and superior energy. And you don't make the mistake of identifying yourself, who are a, a part of the superior energy, with the inferior energy, and say, this is me. And that's an upadi. And an example that's given by the a great teachers is if you take a, a clear crystal and then you put a red rose next to it, what color will the crystal become? That is the correct answer. And then uh, if you actually analyze it, however, the crystal is not red, but it's by its association, because of its association with the red rose, it appears to be red. And you say it's red. 
But that's a new potty. It's not actually red. So similarly, I'm not actually American, and uh, such and such is not actually a, a Manchester, Manchester uh, fanatic, hooligan. Uh, <laughs> these are all temporary designations for the pure soul here ensconced in matter and identifying with matter. So liberation means freedom from the cycle of reactionary work and the verse Sarvopati Vanir Muktam describes how, what it's like. The person becomes free from upadis and sees that actually I'm a, a spirit soul, a pure spirit soul, and I'm a servant of Krishna. And so who's Krishna? He's also known as Hrishikesh. Hrishikesh means that he's the one who's uh, the master of my senses. Hrishik uh, Isha means it, it, the, the word becomes Hrishikesh. And so um, it's not my body I'm in now. If it was, then I would be able to uh, always command it. But sometimes I can't. Some there's, there's bodily functions. I say, okay, stop. And it's like, no, no. It's not now. <laughs> and Or like if I wake up one day and my hand, I say, come here, hand. And the hand says, can't, won't, not gonna. It's like, no, please. It's like, nuh-uh, not coming. There's nothing I can do about it because it's not my hand. It's under a higher control. The whole body is like that. And so to, who's, whose body is it? It belongs to Isha the Supreme Controller, Krishna. So uh, devotional service means to use the body we have now, for instance, the hand I mentioned, the feet, the eyes, in service to Isha. Then, uh, so he's known as Rishikesh, the master of all the senses. So I serve him with my senses rather than trying to serve my own desires through my senses. That's, the, the process of devotional service. And when I do that, then the senses become purified and I become free from upadis or designations, thinking I'm this body, I'm these senses, and so forth. Sarvopadi, all upadis, all designations. Sarva means all, upadi. The word together, sarvopadi. Vanir muktam, I all the, they become removed uh, I become completely purified how by serving the master of the senses through that service uh, this is called uh, devotional service and it's purifying process so devotional service is very pleasing also it's not that it's an onerous process it's mentioned yet para pankacha palasa vilasya bhaktya karmashrayam gratitam utkartayanti santa tadvanna rikta matayo yatayo pirudha shrotoganas tamaranam bhajabhasadevam. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's described how the, the knot that we're discussing here is cut because it's so beautiful, aesthetically pleasing. Do you like aesthetically pleasing things, anybody? Or do you like really ugly stuff? Do you like really nice food? Or do you like just really nasty, terrible smelling stuff? Okay, good. <laughs> so th there's beauty. There's natural beauty 
and it all emanates from one source, from Krishna. And in the material world, the beauty we see is a reflection of the original beauty. And when we become accustomed to the beauty and um, joyfulness of the spiritual world and its energy, how? By hearing about it. Then we naturally become detached from hard work in the material world and the obligation to work here. So that means, yet pada pankaja palasa. This means that uh, Krishna is a person. And poetically, it's described here how his feet are very beautiful. And that when you start to hear about Krishna and his qualities and the, the, his pastimes, yet pada pankaja palasa vilasya bhaktya, there's a, a vilas, there's a kind of enjoyment that you get from it. And once you get that enjoyment, then that surpasses all the enjoyment of the material world. It's far superior. It's not even close. Karmashrayam gratitan utkartayanti santa, which means that by that enjoyment that you're getting from hearing about Krishna and his pastimes, that the knot in the heart that we're discussing here, it gets cut. Because someone says, hey, you want some of this? And it's like, not really. Like all, anyone who's, um, if somebody offered me, or you know, even see somebody like eating some abominable thing, it's not like I think, oh God, I wish I could have some of that. <laughs> like when we were downtown, when we were downtown for the Black Friday, there was somebody on that near Nordstrom's, some independent vendor. I don't even know if he had a license, but he was, he had some real concoction cooked up there. And um, I was like, ooh, go around. Because it was, you know, in all ways, um, really objectionable to my senses. I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, uh, I wasn't attracted at all. That knot had been cut because I've had prasadam. First time I was given a little sweet rice. Come here, kid, try this. <laughs> See what you think. Sure, you sure this is okay <laughs> to eat this? I was like, they're like, it's not about severe austerities. It's about pleasing Krishna's senses. And he ate this, so now you eat it. See if you like it. And I was like, yeah, I like it a lot. In fact, the next day I drank so much I almost died. <laughs> so there's a vilas that one gets from bhakti, like. We were talking this morning just about singing these songs. You start to make an association. Like I have all the devotees who have had a, a time when they're with other devotees, the sun's coming up, they're singing a song or they're chanting, and just for two seconds all of a sudden they feel like, God, this is beautiful. I really like this. This is better than watching TV. <laughs> and, and that is an impression that goes deep within the heart and actually severs one's uh, attachment to the mundane activities of the material world. They just, they look uh, objectionable. It's like, no thanks, I'm not interested. I have something sweet, vilas, it's pleasurable, it's happy. So one gets that, and then uh, the knot in the heart, my attachment to all these gross things, it gets cut. And so the verse says, Yet pada pankacha palasa vilasya bhakta. 
karmashrayam gratitam ukratayanti santa tadvanna rikta matayo. If somebody takes another path, they're rikta matayo, where they don't have this vilas or beauty and sweetness and enjoyment through hearing about Krishna's pastimes, the way he looks, the way the people relate to him, the way they feel separation from him, and the love that the devotees have. If they don't have that, their mata, rikta matayo means they're empty-headed. Literally, it means empty-headed. Like, they don't have any, any uh, idea about Krishna in their head. So they may sit up straight, and they may, like, restrain their senses. And they may do it for a long time, maybe 10,000 years. Like, I'm not going to touch it because um, I'm not my body. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual being, but they don't have the vilas. So then the verse goes on, Then when a big wave comes, anybody here? Surfers in here? Not many Indian surfers. We used to go, go cool and I used to stay on the beach in Puri for a few extra days and we'd just swim in the ocean. And a big crowd come on the, on the, um, on the shore and they come over like, how do you do that? <laughs> it was not a big sport in India, I think, surfing, right? We didn't use a board. We were just body surfing. But even that was something at that time. So when you're out surfing or body surfing, Sometimes when you're there and the waves are coming in, everything's fun and games, and then all of a sudden a huge wave comes in out of nowhere and just uh, pounds you. Or it happens along the California coast. I've seen signs of this. When you drive up towards um, Fort Bragg, Mendocino, they have little warnings because people go, like they have a wedding party and they'll go out there and let's, Oh, a little further, right out there on the cliff, you know. <laughs> and they're standing there, and then what's called sleeper waves come. Sleeper waves, there are these apparently errant waves that come out of apparently nowhere. There's, it's nice and calm down there, and all of a sudden a huge wave comes, and it comes all the way up, and it grabs the people off the cliff and just pulls them in. That's it. Really quick marriage. <laughs> No time to even return the presence. So, <laughs> so that's what happens in the material world. It's all fun and games till somebody gets hurt. And it, somebody always gets hurt. And a big wave always comes in when you're least expecting it. And that's what that's described here as the senses. They're like that. You think, I am all controlled. But then the sense... Uh, wave comes and it just drags you away. So it says, the verse says, even great yogis who are fully self-controlled, the big wave of sense gratification comes in and grabs them and pulls them away. No more sense, no more self-realization for now. You go back and swim in the ocean, try to get out again. But not for the devotees. Because, yet, pada pankachapalasa vilasya bhakta. There's a vilas, there's an enjoyment they get that is so sublime, it's so rarefied, that they're enjoying it so much, it actually cuts that knot, that propensity that I want to enjoy the material world, that's been there for so long, that even I try to deny it, then it sneaks up on me again. It keeps coming, that wave keeps coming, pulling me away. But one can overcome it. The liberation comes by positive attachment 
to hearing about Krishna uh, and his activities, his beauty, his qualities, the way he interacts with his devotees, the relationships, and so forth. Then, when one becomes attached to that, one becomes a free soul. And the Upadis become purified, and I understand my real designation is I'm pure spirit soul, and I'm an eternal servant of Krishna. Then one's living one's free life, actual happy life. So if you'll go back to the verse, then we'll just take a few reflections. The verse at hand was, Yad anudyasina yukta karma granti nibandhanam jinnanti kovidas tasya kona kuryat kataratim. And we're in the purport, partway down, third <coughs> sentence, which goes like this. This liberation automatically follows for one who constantly remembers the transcendental pastimes of the personality of Godhead. This is because all the activities of the Supreme Lord, his Leela, which I was just referring to, are transcendental to the modes of material nature. They are all attractive spiritual activities, and therefore constant association with the spiritual activities of the Supreme Lord gradually spiritualizes the conditioned soul and ultimately severs the knot of material bondage. Liberation from material bondage is, therefore, a byproduct of devotional service. Attainment of spiritual knowledge is not sufficient to ensure liberation. Such knowledge must be overcoated with devotional service so that ultimately the devotional service alone predominates. Then liberation is made possible. Even the reactionary work of the fruit of workers can lead one to liberation when it is overcoated with devotional service. Karma overcoated with devotional service is called karma yoga. Is everyone okay still? Am I going too fast? You're fully attentive? Okay. Similarly, empirical knowledge, look up the word empirical, please, in the etymological dictionary. Overcoated with devotional service is called jnana yoga, but pure bhakti yoga is independent of such karma and jnana because it alone can not only endow one with liberation from conditioned, conditional life, but also award one the transcendental loving service of the Lord. You have to have both. It's not just detachment from the material world by knowing that I'm a spirit soul, but it's also attachment to the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Both have to be there. Yene revindaksha vamuktamaninas tvayastabhava avashudha pudaya Aruya Krishna Paramparam Tata Patantyato Nadrita Yushmarangraya. As Bhagavatam states, and you don't have to bring it up, it's just that without the relationship with Krishna, then there's no actual liberation. It's only imagined liberation, because you'll be knocked off from that position. Therefore, any sensible man who is above the average man with a poor fund of knowledge must constantly remember the personality of Godhead by hearing about him, by glorifying him, by remembering him, and by worshiping him always without cessation. That's devotional service. This is the perfect way of devotional service. The Goswamis of Vrindavan, who were authorized by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to preach the Bhakti cult, rigidly followed this rule and made immense literatures of transcendental science for our benefit. 
they have chalked out ways for all classes of men in terms of different castes and orders of life in pursuance of the teachings of Srimad Bhagavatam and similar other authoritative scriptures. Empiric? Could we have a microphone for the research department, please? Empirical um, is originally used in medicine and it's pertaining to or derived from experience or experiments. It comes from the Latin word empiricus, which is a physician guided by experience, which comes from Greek empiricos, experienced from empiria, experience, mere experience or practice without knowledge, especially in medicine. That's interesting. One point refers to a physician practical knowledge gained through experience. Okay, now let's see if you have any questions. We just have a little time left. There's an art to asking questions. Yeah, you have one? That's pretty good. Okay, microphone to Mataji all the way in the back. Maharaj, you uh, mentioned that bhakti has two components, attachment, uh, detachment and attachment. Is this akin to liberation that comes from bhakti? I, I yes. probably didn't catch the two components you were referring to. Yes, it, it's simultaneous in, in this sense, and I'll give a couple of references. One is Vasudeva Bhagavati. I'll give three references. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janayashuvairagyam Gyanam Chayadahaitukam. As is mentioned also in the same chapter we're reading, as you know well. Uh, when one serves Krishna through direct devotional service, especially Shravanam, hearing, then there are concomitant benefits. One of them is uh, vairagya. Naturally, one becomes detached from other things. And an example or a metaphor given, analogy given in the Bhagavatam also says, Bhakti parishanu bhave viraktir anyata traisa trika ekakala prapadya manasya yatashnatasus tushti pushti shud apayonugasam, which describes, which compares the eating process with bhakti. So, says prapadya manasya, when you're surrendering to Krishna, which means essentially availing yourself to more hearing about him, then there's three things that happen. And that is bhakti. You start to develop a sense of devotion, connection to Krishna. Um, bhakti parisha anubhava means you see it for yourself. It's very clearly evident to you. And then also um, virakti. Virakti means you're detached from things that aren't related to Krishna. Just like, let's say you have in your car, you have a CD player. If you have a car that was made before 2008, 10, when they stopped putting CDs, 10. Okay, before 2010, you might have a CD player. You might even have a cassette player. Anyone? I got one. Cassette player and CD player and radio dial. 
all three in one. Don't get envious. Okay, so through all three are in there. I get in the car. Now I have my choice. I've got, you know, I could turn on the radio. I could push the button for the CD that's in there, and it's someone talking about devotional service in Krishna. Or, you know, a number of combinations and permutations, I could use that. So then uh, I don't want to hear the radio. It's not really interesting to me. Uh, I mean, it could be used in Krishna service possibly, but I'm, I'm just not attracted. I'd rather hear the other thing. This is a virakti. You have the choice, but you, you have no attachment to the lower thing. And you only get interested in things that are substantial. Like, is this good for me or not? Is, is it actually um, connected to Krishna? Just like a, a person who's uh, developing wealth. Uh, he or she is astute at not wasting money. You know, what's the interest rate on that? Oh, I don't want that one. I want this one. It's a higher interest rate. And I don't want to lose money on that because it's a ripoff. And so they're always calculating and they're always going for, you know, how to make more money. So a devotee is interested like that. How do I increase my bhakti? And they're no longer interested in getting ripped off by the material energy. It's a hoax. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a royal Ponzi scheme going on. And they're like, why would I put my money in a Ponzi scheme? It's gonna, I'm just going to get taken. So then uh, Kavi Yogendra compares this to uh, eating. You know that when you eat food, you naturally feel satisfied, right? How do you know that? I always wonder at that. I'm eating. It's like, how do I know I'm feeling satisfied? <laughs> it's like, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. Well, how do you know? <laughs> I just know. So similarly, when you do bhakti, or when you eat, you know when you're getting satisfied. So when you do bhakti, you know you're getting satisfied also. And tushti, pushti, nourishment. It means you're nourished when you eat food. So you feel strong. So in devotional service, let's say you're a little um, unsure about your life. Maybe you're even a little depressed. Possible? Especially this time of year, it's kind of dark, right? A little cold for you all? Anyone from South India doesn't like it here? Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, a little cold and dark. And, ah, God, what do I do? You know, uh, this, that. Taxes are higher than I thought. And uh, so then you pick up your bead bag and you start chanting Hare Krishna. At one in the morning, kids who can't sleep. And then all of a sudden you start feeling like, hey, actually, I'm, I'm okay. Everything's okay. You get a natural sense that, like, a, a perspective. Everything comes rushing into your mental system, and you're like, how's that happening? Well, how's it happening when you eat food? It just does. So when you chant Hare Krishna, when you hear about Krishna, you feel satisfied. You feel nourished. And also, your hunger goes away when you eat food. You don't want any more. So similarly, your hunger for material things goes away. It doesn't apply to hunger for spiritual things. You want more. You become greedy for it. More more, 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 more hunger. It's never satiated, which is a, which is a nice thing. Because just imagine if you could just keep eating. You know, you come to the dessert and you have, what do you like? 
for dessert? Come on, work with me, people. <laughs> what? Cheesecake? What? What did she say? Sandesh. Yeah, we could eat that all day. I mean, I used to be able to. But, you know, and then it's like at a certain point, you go, I don't want any more. But imagine you just keep eating it and you never get full. So you could keep hearing about Krishna and it's like, that's not enough. I want to hear some more. I want to hear some more. So that creates a kind of um, absorption where you just don't have time for spiritual, uh, for material stuff anymore. This is what it means. I'm busy. You know, Maya comes over and says, okay, okay, let's do this and that. It's like, I would, but I'm really busy. Got to go. See you later. Bye. You know, uh, you're just out of here. Uh, you're in the material world, but you don't have time for it anymore because you're, you're ananyas chintanya. Your chintya, your consciousness is really absorbed in this bhakti thing. And you, you just can't give it up. And you want more of it all the time, so you don't have time anymore for spiritual life. This is virakti. So both are happening at the same time. And you can see the material world. You know what's going on. I saw the guy cooking hot dogs with onions on the corner. And I know what he was doing, but I, I wasn't going to have any. Not in this life or the next, or forevermore, you know, because uh, I already have Sandesh. I mean, why would I have a hot dog? <laughs> the whole idea is repulsive. So for those who have, ta you know, tasted bhakti, the whole idea of the material world is it's pointless, actually. There's nothing in it for me. Not only that, it's kind of repulsive. You get into the lower modes of nature, and even Krishna says, Jaganya Gunavrittista. Now you want to hear about the abominable modes, the mode of ignorance? It's really dark and ugly down there. Like, don't go there. Head up and come into transcendence. Tamasima Jyotirgamai. So uh, I promised you three. I gave you two. I said, Vasudevi Bhagavati. What else was I thinking, Sundarananda? Huh? Oh, yeah, I was thinking of Bhagavad Gita. Vishaya vinivartante nirahara sadehina rasavarjam rasopyasya param drishva nivartate. So Krishna says, when you give up material things, in the beginning, you might still be attached to them in your mind. Like, I'm not touching it, but I'm still thinking about it. But, he says, once you experience a higher taste, then there's no consideration anymore. The lower thing is just not even there anymore. So just a short follow-up. So is it that attachment precedes detachment or they both happen at the same time? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's not absolutely stereotype, but the way Krishna describes it in the Bhagavad Gita, Vishaya Vinivartani, says first there's a forced detachment because you're following a rule, but after you get a higher taste, then it's uh, natural. You know, he describes it like that. And he also says in the Bhagavad Gita, Raga dvesha vimuktaistu vishayan indrayaischaran atma prasadam arigatshati. At first, you follow the regulative principles of freedom, he calls them, and then you'll get prasadam, which means grace, because you open up a little space for the grace to come through. And then, you know, prasadam means mercy and it also means kind of peace and happiness that you feel because you're not just following the senses they're a little 
bad masters. It's like, give me this, give me that, give me this, all the time asking for things, and I, I feel enslaved to them. And after, after I say, no mas, and you get a better master, then you can just transfer over, and you get prasadam, or the mercy of the Lord. Okay, there was a couple more questions. Who is it? Do you have one back there? No, up here. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Oh, online. Is, uh, I can't see from here. Oh, Sringara Rasa. Okay, Sringara Rasa, go ahead because we want to honor our online audience. And great to see you all there. Thank you very much for joining. Hare Krishna. Chitrale Katsaki, are you in New Mayapur? Oh. Hare Krishna. Great to see you. So wonderful to see you. Such a, such a precious moment. Thank you so much. We're thinking about coming over there sometime. We were pretty close looking over the English Channel, trying to figure out how far we'd have to swim to get to New Mayapur. But... Uh, I was talking to some devotees there. I heard you have 40, 40 nice rooms there if anybody wants to go over there and have a retreat or something, right? Yes, you Okay, hopefully we'll see you there. That's my dream. What, oh, I want to go to France? Say yes. yes. Okay, let's go to France. All right. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Good to see Chitra Kasaki. All right, let's see. Let's hear the question. Shringara Ras, you have a question? Yeah. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Hare Krishna. Um, so my, que my question is that how does hearing uh, progress? Like what are the characteristics of different kinds of hearing? Um, Someone new in Krishna, how do they hear and how does a pure devotee hear? Like how, how does it progress? That's a really nice question. So, this is uh, described, the progression of the various types of, of hearing and devotees by uh, Kapiladev in the Bhagavatam. And he talks about how in, in the beginning, when one's performing devotional service, uh, one may have a separatist mentality and still think that, uh, and still have material motivations. And then one progresses to the sattva gun, gradually. Well, actually, there's the mode of ignorance when one's performing devotional service, but one's critical of other devotees and the way they're doing it. I think I'm doing it better than them. And then there's rajas, where you're doing it, but there's still this idea of some kind of material reward and attachments. Then in the mode of uh, sattva, uh, Mukharvin, you find that section? Oh, that's what you're doing? Sorry. Um, if I could remember how the verse starts for the transcendental part. Um, it's quoted in Ramananda Roy. What? Anyway, we'll get there. So then, in, in the mode of goodness, one's doing devotional service. 
Madguna shruti matrena, mai sarva gohashaye, mano vina, mano katir vichit hungam bang. We'll put it up. So then in, in the mode of goodness, one feels dutiful. But then, uh, as described by Kapiladev and also by, by Ramananda Roy, to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you can tell when you're coming into transcendental uh, realm of devotional service. So he gives this verse, Madguna shruti matrina mai sarva guhashaye manogatir avichina yata gangambas so this verse is saying, Madguna Shruti Matrena, that, um, let's look at the word for word, it'll be more helpful. So, uh, when you're hearing about Krishna uh, and his qualities, Guna, Shruti means hearing, and just by doing it a little bit, Matrena, Mai, towards me, Sarvagohashaye, He's residing in everyone's heart. We talked about that this morning. And managati, that really means the mind's going somewhere. It's like running after something, right? Uh, the, the heart's course, Prabhupada gives us. Avichina, so this is one of the qualities. It's continuous. So you hear about it a little bit, and then the mind keeps going. It's like, I want more of this. How can I get more? Uh, this is a sign that you're actually advancing. And then... Yata, he gives this, uh, he gives this analogy. Yata Ganga Ambasa, the water of the Ganga Ambudao. It's always flowing towards the ocean. And so the mind is like that. When you're, when you're hearing transcendentally, you hear it, and then the mind just runs after it. It's flowing towards it, it can't stop. Like the Ganga never stops. You can dam it up, but it'll go around under whatever, it'll, it'll get there. So your mind will become like that, Ambusel. And then he, the second uh, stanza gives uh, the next qualifications of this transcendental. Uh, lakshanam bhakti yoga sya. So lakshanam means the qualities of bhakti yoga. Nirgunasya hyutaritam. When it's nirgunasya, it's no longer tinged by the modes of nature. Um, then it has these two qualities. Ahaituki avyavahita. So haituki means you, you don't want anything returned from it. It's just service for service. And avyavahita means it doesn't stop. It's continuous. Ya bhakti purushottame. This is bhakti to Krishna. Purushottame is another name for, uh, for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Let's look at the words for words. So then it says, Lakshanam, the manifestation, bhakti yogasya, of devotional service, nirgunasya, unadulterated. When it's unadulterated, means it doesn't have any mixture of rajas and tamas. It's all shuddha or purely in goodness. Then he, indeed, adharitam, means this is how it shows in your life. Ahaituki, it's causeless, and avyavahita, it's not separated. Uh, ne- that is, we're never separated from it. There's never a time when you go like, hey, I'd rather hear the radio now. No, you, you continuously want uh, bhakti. Ya, bhakti, that devotional service, purushottame, towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's called transcendental. So in the previous verses, it's describing the conditional 
effects of devotional service, if you look at those really quick, just look at the translations in the pre previous four verses. Not this translation, but the, the verse, I'm sorry, nine what? Uh, verse 9 and verse 10. 3, uh, 29, 9. Is this the first of the series? It says, The worship of the deities in the temple by a separatist with a, a motive for material enjoyment, fame, and opulence is devotion in the mode of passion. I think there's one in ignorance too, no? 8. Go to 8. We'll go all the way back to 8. <laughs> Devotional service executed by a person who is envious, proud, violent, and angry, and who is a separatist is considered to be in the mode of darkness. Not very good. Better get it fixed. Next is the worship of the deities in the temple by a separatist with a motive for material enjoyment, fame, and opulence is devotion in the mode of passion. When a devotee worships the Supreme Personality of God and offers the results of his activities in order to free himself from the inebrities of fruit of activities, his devotion is in the mode of goodness. Then we come to Madguna Shruti Matrena, which we just went over. So this gives you the progression of uh, the, the mixtures of devotional service from ignorance all the way up into Shuddha Sattva, or Purity, so you can tell if you're hearing and you're highly distracted. Like, let's just say you go to somebody's room and you want to talk about your complaints about some other devotees who don't treat you with enough respect. Possible? Okay, so you start unwinding, and then the person says, by the way, I got an idea. Let's read Chaitanya Charterbina. And then you go like, you know what? I hear my mom calling me. She wants a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I got to go. Because my mind's so averse to like, no, I want to complain. This is like in the mode of passion and ignorance. Let's just, let's just complain for a while. And then it's like, why don't we just hear? It's like, eh, I don't know. That sounds kind of, I don't know. It doesn't sound good. So that's affected by the mo lower modes of nature. But when it's like you hear somebody's going to hear, like Rajendra Nandan Prabhu, my dear God brother, just passed away recently. I just remember a few years ago when I came to Mayapur, and he, he we had been writing, he's like, I want to join the Yatra this year. And when I saw him, he came up to me and goes, I just want to hear. That was his whole mode in, the, uh, you know, in, his, in his life, especially the later years. He was so locked in. He says, I just want to hear. And he'd be so attentive no matter where we were we'd sit on the bus we're driving to the you know around with all the devotees to the various places he'd have his books out we'd be reading talking it's all all he wanted to do you know he was on that stage that i just want to hear and it, it doesn't stop he'd wake up in the morning and start over again and his mind's attracted to it he couldn't hear enough so that's transcendental state of, of devotional service. Okay, a couple more uh, questions. Yes. Hi, Manu. Um, thank you, Guru Maharaj. A realization and a question. Um, when you were talking about this whole point of the detachment, I was remembering the Bhagavad Gita verse where it says that 
the whole uh, the tree uh, the banyan tree there's a perver perverted reflection and the the very fact that it even exists is because of that water which is actually the desires that we have and how strongly rooted those subsidiary roots are and how we the whole purpose of life is to cut that um, cut those roots of um, material desires so i was able to relate to that and also i was connecting your discussion from this morning where you said that you know uh, krishna's name uh, just gives you the liberation like how ajamila just the name last night we were reading about uh, the chand kazi pastime he being a muslim and he heard so much about the hari naam sankirtan and he's he did not like it he was all against it and everything and uh, <laughs> uh, when he met chaitanya mahaprabhu he actually told him this his own stories of what has happened to him how narsimha dev came in his own dream and and um, he then even told to chaitanya mahaprabhu that you are lord narayan himself and when he said that um, chaitanya mahaprabhu was so happy he said that you have already said hari you have said krishna and now you have said narayan and he embraced him and then i was thinking wow chaitanya mahaprabhu embraced him and then he immediately told him that uh, you are um, uh, um this is the end of your sinful life and all your uh, past karmas are you know gone and um until today it was said that in navadvip because kazi promised that he would never stop the hari naam sankirtan and his whole generation so it was so easy for him in spite of he being like the opposite party of it i was thinking my question really is uh, while krishna says it is so easy just the name gives you at the same time it is so hard like you know uh, it's the one in thousand manushya naam shri shudla one in thousand can become a pure devotee so i wanted to understand from you this um two extremes where it is easy as well as it is hard and how do we make it easy for ourselves i think it's semantics because sometimes in english in modern english we use easy for in a placement of simple simple is a better description it's very straightforward and simple it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy easy means like hey just put it in my mouth i'll sit here <laughs> i don't want to come upstairs and get it you bring it to me and put it in my mouth and in that sense also it, there there is a sense of easiness to devotional service i mean uh we have a process through which even while we're integrated with the material world maybe working you maybe have a big family uh you you may have to um go on tours with different types of people but you can still become christian conscious uh, through that process and the process is simple because it's um it's it's one thing bhagavad gita krishna shrimad bhagavatam hearing and chanting i mean it's very sim- simple in that way so bhaktivinoda thakur says apply yourself uh strictly to the simple path and As far as the results go, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur talks about it in the sixth canto, his sixth canto commentary on Ajamil, and he says that when a tree, when you plant a tree, you have to wait for the fruit, and it takes different gardeners know this. It takes different times for different kinds of fruits to come out, and also even in the same species of trees, there's uh, some of them take longer. To, to give the fruit than others 
and we just uh, wait patiently for that to come. But those who do come in contact with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, no matter um, what their desires are, Kaviraj Goswami said, they will be fulfilled by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And if you have the slightest inkling for pure devotional service, Krishna is very expert at making sure that you get to that destination. And if you have some association with the devotees and you just get a little whiff of that, uh, sense that yeah, maybe this is a, a good idea, then you're really on the path and it's just a matter of time before you come to that position. And some people, they've been practicing for, for a long time in previous lives. And therefore, when they come to this uh, path of devotional service, then they very quickly take to it. Yesham tonta katam papam jananam punyakarmanam te dvandva mohanir mukta bhajantimam dridavrta some people already at that level. But we, we don't need to compare ourselves to anybody else. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Swe Swe Adhikari, not Bhagavad Gita, it's the Srimad Bhagavatam. Swe Swe Adhikariya Nishta Saguna Parikirtita. Vipariyastu Dosha Syad. That it's a good quality if you uh, understand and accept your position where you are now and just act according to your adhikari, what you're qualified for. And in some ways, it's just as good as anybody else, if you're sincere. Because birds fly in the, high, in the sky as high as they're able, but the sky is unlimited. So how are you going to compare accurately? I mean, we do compare. There are Kanishta, Madhyam, and, and Uttam. And we do appreciate those who are more purified and refined, but anybody on the path to devotional service, Krishna says, Apichet Sudaracharo, Bajatema Mananyam. They're all good because they're going the same place. Yes, Dhanavari. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Uh, please uh, accept my humble obeisances. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I have a question about um, hearing that if we only, uh, if you want to prog progress more uh, in bhakti and is hearing and chanting is only uh, essential, or can we uh, do we need other services in order to progress uh, more high in like other ser services are necessary, or only hearing is the, hearing and chanting is the only enough? Well, this is something that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu discusses with Sanatana Goswami. He mentions sixty-four limbs, processes of devotional service. And then he said, okay, here's five. These five are so potent that even if you have a little connection or attachment to them, even if you don't have complete faith in them, you'll still attain complete success. Then he said, okay, there's, out of these five, there's one. It's absolutely essential. And you know, we chant that verse. How does it start? That verse is all about, obviously I haven't memorized it, but it's all about uh, how, okay, Hanuman, you just did service. Parikshit, he just listened. What? Shri Vishnur, Shravanad, Vayasakirte Vayam. You guys are good. 
particular people who have attained success from one type of bhakti, service or prayers, like Akura offered prayers, that was his perfection, uh, attained perfection. So devotional service, all perfect, any of them, uh, any one of them is powerful enough. But we say that hearing and chanting are the mainstay because that enacts the, the process within the heart of dropping the anartas by Krishna's grace and coming into full realization. And they're all accompanied by hearing anyway. Okay, so we have one last question, and then we're going to have a Guru Puja, the grain ceremony. Hare Krishna Prabhu. I was just remembering that when you said that the taste, um, when we were in college, we used to have a lot of uh, nice uh, Udupi, you know, Udupi, supposed to, Udupi cooks are supposed to be very good cooks. So we had some very nice food that we had, but after some of us became Krishna conscious, um, I used to enjoy the uh, biryani that they made with garlic when I was in college. And uh, after we started chanting, the smell of it used to make me feel nauseated. So we had to look for, uh, I and mean, I used to think that, how come, I know I just started chanting, how can this can happen? But as you were saying that it is not uh, me or it is not like my friends who also felt the same, that um, it's just that uh, the higher taste will slowly take the lower taste out. That was my comment. My question is, you were just mentioning about hearing. Um, since I'm already working on my next year goals, I was just looking at it. Last year I had written that every single day I have to hear. So I has I had uh, been hearing very regularly, maybe for six months, eight months, I don't remember. I didn't even realize that I dropped it at some point. And I was just thinking that, as you said, I had really become addicted to hearing it every day while cooking, cleaning. But I don't know um, what to do to keep sure that... <laughs> I didn't even realize till I went back to look at my notes, what I did last year, that um, I didn't hear in between. It, it just totally vanished and I didn't even realize that. How do we keep up that regular every single... You should start your own um, internet social media program. Hearing with Sukeshri. <laughs> and you show up every day. Look at Keisha Bardimar. She has this program... He has to show up every day because it's his program. It's called uh, Daily Reading of Srila Prabhupada's Books. And, you know, he's, he has his time and everyone's there. And it's, it's a thing. So you have to make it a thing. If you have your thing, then you're going to show up for it. The, you know, I remember when I was uh, really busy living in a house and then ISV fledgling stage and they said, do you want to give a class and I said absolutely and the reason I wanted to I had to drive down to where it was in San Jose was because I wanted a thing where I had to be there I had one thing at home where people would come over once a week but I wanted more things and as soon as I had my thing then it turned into a bigger thing so things work so f find something where you're teaching it to others and you have to be there on a regular basis. Otherwise, if you're by yourself, you go like, well, maybe I, I got this other thing to do right now. But make that a very apparent thing where you're teaching it and then show up for it every s single day. That's one thing, to do a thing. Okay, so uh, we discussed a little bit. We had a few bhajans, and it veered off a little bit because electricity went out temporarily. 
And now we have a chance for some uh, kirtan, starting with the Guru Puja. So we're going to put away the seats and roll up this carpet, and then we'll gather in front of Srila Prabhupada and do Guru Puja. Gaur Premanande Haribo, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktivrinda Ki Jai. Mm-hmm.